Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Church, and I am joined by Thalia and Paul. I'll have you them introduce themselves so you can hear their voices. Yes, I'm a regular here, so you should know me by now. Although we still get mixed up all the time. <laughs> I know. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name's Paul, one of the pastors here at Northview. If you listen to the extra podcast, you probably recognize my voice. So, yes. yeah, here I am. He's one of our teaching associate pastors, and he works part-time in the care department with Vic and I. So this is really great. Yeah. yeah. You guys have been teaching pre-marriage together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. te- teaching the inter- the immerse, what are they called now? Pastoral interns? Yes. Yeah. Our immerse students together. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And Paul's wife, Carla, works for you. Yeah. So yeah. works with Lots. you. I guess that's a better term. Lots yeah. of connections. Mm-hmm. We are, um, like we said last week, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks um, just kind of mirroring our sermon series, talking yeah. about what, um, just kind of going deeper into the sermons that were preached each weekend, just because we know the pre- preachers only have 30 to 40 minutes to talk about things. So we might have an, another little pieces to add and scripture to add. We are in the Modern Family Sermon Series, which is dealing with... Um, issues that we face being as part of a family, whether that's being single, divorced, uh, remarried, parenting, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so it's very practical topics that we can talk on. So that's why we thought we would do this. This last topic, uh, this last week was on romance and um, Jeff, Pastor Jeff was talking on Song of Songs, uh, chapter two, verse 15, which talks about the foxes in a vineyard and talked about the fact that the vineyard was a marriage relationship within the context of this passage and the foxes were the things that were going to destroy it. And so the woman uh, was calling to her husband, to her betrothed, her lover and encouraging him to get rid of the foxes. And so he identified three of the foxes. We're going to talk about them in more detail, but I thought I'd quickly mention them. Uh, The foxes that he identified were the fox of the perfect soulmate, this idea that there will be someone out there who will be absolutely perfect for us. Uh, The fox of children, yeah. And the fox of bitterness. So I know that you preached on this sermon or this this uh, passage as well, Paul. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things did you pick out or how did you approach the text differently than Jeff did? Yeah, I took a larger portion of scripture. So I started in chapter one at verse 12 and I worked all the way through chapter two, basically. Uh, and so I wanted to just draw the draw attention to the fact that God's word actually has this kind of romantic language in it where he or where we can see this couple sharing their love and desire for each other uh, in very poetic and beautiful ways, not in ways the way our culture talks, right? The way that we see on, um, you know, where it's pornographic language or pornographic shows, but this is very, uh, it's intimate, but it is subtle, as well, it's uh, there is, um, yeah. How, what did I say? It's uh, it's um, sensual but sanctified. Hmm. I think I put in my notes. So, yeah, you you when you read this book, you come across uh, various parts where uh, I mean, being Hebrew poetry, sometimes you have parallels and everything. And it's anyway, it's just a very beautiful way to talk about this type of a relationship rather than what we see in our culture. So what I notice is that you and Jeff and Ezra and Mission preached on the same passage. How do you decide ahead of time which direction to go? Tell us a little bit about that process. Well, we're all um, we're all firm believers that God's word is 
uh, true and sufficient and that the author of whatever book you're preaching from had an intent for each passage. So whatever the author's intent was, uh, is how it should be preached. Now, Song of Solomon is a is an interesting book because there's a number of places, even this passage that we dealt with this week, where different commentators really disagree quite a bit because it's such so poetic, poetic language. Yeah. It can be hard to know even who's speaking in the in the certain moment. But nevertheless, we go through it together and we, we get together on Wednesdays and we talk about the text that we're going to be dealing with. And then we go, okay, so what's the main, basically, um, there's this quote from the from a, a a guy who teaches preaching at seminaries, and basically he says, um, "Always remember to keep the main thing the main thing, mm-hmm. right?" So when or the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, which is it sounds repetitive, but if you think through it, it makes a lot of sense. In that we want to make sure that the text, whatever it's saying, is that that's is that is exactly what we're conveying, and then we are applying it the way that it's intended to be applied as well. So outside of, as long as you have that main aim the same, you guys give each other freedom to kind of approach it to differently, to have maybe three or different points or whatever. But as mm-hmm. long as you're kind of along that same trajectory, it's kind of what you look yes. for in the sermon preview. Yeah. yeah. So when you listen to our sermons, when we, uh, so whether it's Greg or myself preaching on Sunday night or Ezra or Jeff or, or Andy or whoever, you'll, you'll hear us uh, preaching the same text, but you'll, you'll hear the general same idea, but there might be variance in the application point. Like it'll be generally the same, but um, there is a broad, a broad way to make it work within the, within the context that we are. Yeah. And different people bring in different perspectives. So I know with Andy, a lot of his work in apologetics and stuff, he'll often approach a text with more kind of philosophy behind him. Right. And other people will have different and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I love that seeing that even with our teachers and women's ministry, you'll have some people that are very good at illustrating and painting a great picture. And you'll have other people that are really great at applying Mm -hmm. and just different skills that they bring. Um, So the truth of the text is brought out but it, in different ways, depending on different people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a good yeah, thing. Definitely. So, what were the foxes that you identified? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, well, I the way I did it again was because I dealt with a, a larger portion of scripture. I had a two point sermon. The first one, first point was godly and romantic language. So, I was just looking. We walked verse by verse through it. I showed how, you know, certain parts are very are are metaphors for very intimate times together, and other parts that. Uh, like, um, anyway, I won't go into it, but there's other parts that are very literal. You can see I'm wanting to preach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's anyway, uh, it's, it's funny because there are, Jeff talked about steamy parts coming later, but they actually come before that verse as As well. well, Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, uh, so trying to preach that is sometimes challenging, especially when you have you see an entire family of uh, one of the elders sitting in front of you and it's like, okay, how, in how much detail do I take this? Right. So. You know, which, uh, which, can I chime in here for a second, which is why we want to talk about this because we don't want people to tune out simply if they're not in a romantic relationship or they're not married. Crystal, you had some thoughts on this before. Yeah, we had like some people have said to me after different sermons, 
in the series already. Well, that doesn't really apply to me. So why should I be here on a Sunday morning? (laughs) I don't have kids. I'm not a parent. I don't need to hear the children obey. And I said, well, you know, part of us is in our church, we're walking alongside people who are living life and we are uncles and aunts. We are um, maybe, yeah, just interested observers in our friends' lives. And so it's great for us to be able to have a context in which we can speak into people's lives of what the biblical ideal is of something. And maybe if we have concerns or ideas, we can share them. So we want our lives to be more about more than just looking into ourselves and our own situation, yeah. but saying, how can, what can we learn from this sermon that can be applicable to helping our church body? Yeah. Because we have some topics coming up that people will be tempted to maybe not be part of yeah. like singleness or divorce or things, but we would really encourage people to listen for not only for their own good, for their own learning, but also for those around them. Yeah. Cause married people want to know what the issues facing single people are, mm-hmm. right? So that they can walk alongside your single brothers and sisters in a better way. And yeah. So we want to be, yeah, alert to the the needs of the whole body as we're going through the series. So the unfortunate part is you can't hear Paul's sermon online. So you'll have to invite him for out for coffee and get him to <laughs> preach it to you. <laughs> but you can hear Jeff's and Ezra's yeah. online. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And there are resources. If you go to where the sermon series is, uh, northview.org, and you go to the sermon series, and there's a little button that says further resources, and you can see all kinds of books on parenting, singleness, marriage, etc. Yeah. 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 So then my second point was uh, godly and romantic living. So then I applied this Fox's passage essentially to both unmarried and married hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And the two Foxes that you had or what? Yeah, I had them in two categories. Yeah. So I know Jeff, Ezra might have done four. Okay. Uh, I think he did when he was telling me what his outline was. I think he did four. Jeff did three. I had two categories, uh, foxes of distraction and foxes of discontent. Hmm. And so then within each of those, there's each of those, there's many possibilities of what right. those could be. Yeah. So we might deal with some of those as we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I thought we'd do spend a little bit more time going on the, the three foxes that Paul or that Jeff identified okay. to see if there's any other scripture or any other thoughts we had on that. And then talk about what are some of the other foxes that we see that might have been part of the examples that you had in the, the distraction or the discontent pieces. Great. So in terms of that fox is the perfect soulmate, is yeah. this an actual fox? Is Jeff on the ball when he says this one or what do we think? Yeah. And in our pre-marriage class, the older people get, the more they are cautious about making sure they have found the one. Right. And they'll come meet with me individually and say, I'm not sure if I found the one. If this is, if there are any flags here that I should be aware of that I should maybe not get married. Because they seem to have this standard that sometimes they're thinking of for their own parents. Like their parents have reached this stage of spiritual maturity and they want their boyfriend, girlfriend to be already at that stage. I'm like, no, no, we're in process here. Like we need to allow some time. You know, is this person a believer and you're a believer? Great. Is this person plugged into church and pursuing a spiritual life? Great. If you've got some of the basics in place, then keep going. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be, you're not looking for the perfect person because I'm not. None of us are. Yeah, nobody's, that's totally true. All of us are sinful. And when uh, when you bring two sinful people together to live in a small space, what do you think is going to happen? Is everything's going to be everything's going to be, you know, loving rockets all the time? No, it's going to get to be uh, tense. You're going to have fights uh, as you you know you might have worked and gotten to look the best for your wedding, and you got a six <laughs> yeah. pack or an awesome tan or whatever. But then, guess what? Winter comes and things get lazy, and all of a sudden, yeah. You aren't looking like you did. So what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to just abandon the relationship because of that or or you or because um, he or she is uh, not as 
uh, exciting as you thought they were or yeah anyway if that's the case if we're just gonna if we're just gonna drop a, a relationship a marriage that we've committed to right like a marriage is a covenant which yeah. is which shows it, it's more than a contract it's a it's a commitment that's made before God are you gonna just drop it just based on any little thing that comes along and maybe it's a, a series of little things that have built up but regardless of what happens uh, within that marriage, even if you get another one, uh, you're going to have the same thing happen again. I think there's one thing I would encourage when I meet with a lot of individuals and people who are in a relationship, I encourage them to consider the fact that you still need to work at your relationships. So when we leave our house in the morning and you run some errands, you go to the gas station, you go to save on foods or wherever, you're kind and polite to the people there. You say, please, thank you, excuse me. You're not freaking out on them for any good thing. You're like, you're really, you're working at your relationship during the day. What happens is sometimes then when people come home, they think that they should be free to be who they are at home. Just let their hair down and whatever I think I can say. And if I feel irritable, I can express it. And if I'm short-tempered and snappy, they just have to accept it because that's truly who I am. And I've been telling women that. We and if that don't person that was right. my soulmate, they yeah. would completely accept me for yeah. who I am. And I'm actually, we don't have the right to behave that way. Yeah. Paul and I talked about that last week in our pre-marriage class, that if you look at Colossians 3, chapter 1 to 17, it talks about how there's things we have to put off as part of our old behavior mm. and things we have to put on. We have to be compassionate and kind and we have to be patient. We have to bear with one another and we have to forgive one another. And that's part of working towards being that perfect soulmate as much as we can be on this earth that we don't, we don't just come home and just let it all hang out. Like we actually have to maybe work at our appearance and work at how we act and how we talk. And so when I've talked to people about tempering their natural behavior, because you don't want me in my natural behavior because naturally I am a sinful person. Not so great. So I have to temper that with God's help every day. So that's one thing I would say to people a lot. Yeah. What are other ideas behind the perfect soulmate? Why do people buy into this? Yeah. I'll share one that I think. I think mm-hmm. people have this idea that love is an easy thing. Like oh, it's yeah. a natural thing. It's just something that's going to happen. And I think when you look within scripture, if you look at passages like 1 Corinthians 13, even though that's not specifically talking about romantic love, it's talking about the love we have for brothers and sisters in the church. Uh, it's it's a hard thing. It's a sacrificial thing. It's a yeah. letting people go ahead of yourselves and, and thinking of them ahead of yourselves. Yeah. You look at the Ephesians 5 passage where it talks about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah, sacrificial. Like that is not uh, just an easy thing. And so we have I think we have this wrong idea in our minds that love is just something that's easy, natural, romantic. Yeah. Where it is within scripture presented as something that is a work and a choice and yeah. a decision. Yeah. Even if you look at the, I mean, a verse that everybody knows, and as Christians, we often gloss over, which is John three sixteen, mm. for God so loved the world, how? In a sacrificial way. And, yeah. and the word so there doesn't mean so much. It means in this way. So By for God son. loved the world in this way, that he gave his son, that yeah. whoever should believe in him will not perish and have eternal life. So it's a sacrificial thing. Yeah. Godly love is sacrificial. Which means that when one day we're not feeling so sparkly and the other person's so sparkly and we're kind of bored and it's dull, it doesn't mean that you give up and you say, oh, I must not have found the right one. No. It means you actually have to plug in and pray for that person and pray for your marriage and consider the things that are tearing you apart, the foxes in this passage. What are the things that are causing problems here? Yeah. Sometimes we listen too much to culture yeah. too, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got songs, I mean, an old song from the, I think, early 80s. 
If you like pina coladas, <laughs> everybody, come on. If you know it, sing along. Um, but where in, in that song, it's this idea that um, he says, I'm getting tired of my lady. We've been together too long. Right. And, and then he, he goes on and he places this ad in the newspaper, which is basically like a, a Craigslist personals, I guess, or the old version. Yeah, right. The old version. And then anyway. You're dating us. Anyway, well, okay. yeah, he's going, he's, he's looking, he's just tired of, he thinks they've lost the spark and that's what it meant. Yeah. That's what love means what love is, is this spark yeah. that you have, mm-hmm. but that's not, it's a, it's a commitment and it's sacrifice. That's what true love is. It's an act of the will. Yeah. If we know that when we think of our good friends and our family, we know that we don't always, you know, love hanging out with our family or even our close friends, but we still do. And we accept their glitches and their quirks and we forgive each other. And you sometimes you have great times together and sometimes it's just, yeah, but that's just how it goes. Why do we expect something different in our marriages? Yeah. Yeah. I think people also spiritualize this idea that God just wants me to be happy idea, right? And think that, Mm -hmm. yeah, God's will for me is for me to be happy and fulfilled. And so then they'll spiritualize this reason that they can leave their spouse because he's not making me that way or she's not making me that way. Yeah. 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 So we, we take it upon ourselves, right, to, we take Jeremiah 29, 11 out of context. (laughs) God has you know, has plans for us and they're for us to prosper and basically for us to be happy and everything's going to go great. And that's not at all what the context is. Yeah. And sometimes even in a godly marriage that where people are both striving to serve him, there's going to be problems and people are going to go through ups and downs Mm -hmm. based on career or health or Mm -hmm. grief Mm -hmm. or all kinds of things. And so we need to be able to walk with each other in that. Mm -hmm. The Fox of Children, anything you'd want to add to that or any personal experiences you've had about children distracting you from romance? Yeah. So first thing we know is that children are great. It's yeah. a gift for a marriage, and you can learn a lot about God's love to us by having children. So children are great, but we also know in our culture, which uh, Paul just mentioned, that children tend to be kind of the highest priority. And so we walk our kids to school, and we pick them up, and we are at every possible game, and we put all our time and energy to our kids, and Jeff mentioned this, and our spouse gets sidelined. When actually marriage is the first priority, because in a healthy marriage, that's where kids grow the best. That's how they become healthy emotionally and physically, and they mature. And so we have to be very careful that our priorities uh, are in line with God's priorities, that we take care of our marriages if we're married. Yeah. Yeah, we had, um, for us, it's been kind of easier to get away for a weekend or whatever because we have family close by. I know we have some friends that have had more difficulty with that. But what I want to urge you, if you, that is your case, is still try and find people that can take your kids, you yeah. know, for a night or a weekend. Because I've offered to some friends, like, because I knew the husband really wanted to get away and the wife didn't feel comfortable leaving the kids. I said, I'll take them. Like, yeah. But they wouldn't take me up on it because yeah. they felt so guilty about it. And I'm like, I would have gladly done that for you so you could have a weekend away. So yeah. I think take, try and find those people that yeah. will be willing to do that so that you can spend that time. Don't feel guilty about asking. No. And if you absolutely can't financially, then intentionally take a couple of hours. Go for yeah. a walk. Go for a low uh, cost coffee. Do something where your spouse is a priority. I was just telling Crystal before that Mark works home alone. Um, that's my husband. And so he's always in the evening saying, let's go for coffee. And I'm like, no, because I work with people all day and I don't want to go see any more people. So it's been a bit of a source of tension. And I realized, ah, one of the foxes for me is that I'm not doing some of the things that he's really asking me to do that wouldn't really cost a lot or be a lot out of my schedule. But I've been stubborn and being like, no, I want to stay home because I don't want to run into any more people. Yeah. And that's selfish. So I'm like, OK, sorry, Mark, we're going to go for coffee. 
<laughs> more often than we do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, uh, we were talking about this at our community group the other night after Jeff's sermon, um, and one of the some one guy in our group was just saying, "Well, you know," he goes, he said, um, "So one thing we were talking about practical ways, right?" To catch the foxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what, what we did or what he said is he's like, well, or actually she said this, he didn't cause it was something he did. So she was, you know, tooting <laughs> his horn kind of thing. Not, yeah. he wasn't tooting his own horn or if uh-huh. you want to put it that way. So, um, he picked her up from work or whatever, and they were heading home. And instead of turning to go home, uh, he turned the other way and she was just like, this isn't the way to home. And he goes, I know I'm taking you out for coffee. And she's like, oh, sounds good. Right? Like, like don't, whatever, the, the stuff that's at home, like the, there's stuff that might have to be done. You know, laundry's got to be done, dinner's got to be made, whatever. But that all that stuff always will need to be done. So you can take yeah. some time just to sit down I'm, and have. I'm imagining myself freaking out going, that's not going with my schedule. Right. <laughs> I think right. That's, and that's our, that's our natural tendency, yeah. right? To go, oh, the kids are at home. Like, well, yeah, but you know what? They're old enough right now that they can. They can have another half an hour yeah. and we'll yeah. be fine. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Not two hours, but half hour will work. Yeah. I have to wrap my head around that. I'm like, ah. I know. I think as, you're right. Yeah. I think as women, we can get very much into that production schedule. We know mm-hmm. what has to happen before we go to bed at night. So we just want to get home and get it done. Yeah. Get but, out of my way. I just got to get this done. And then they get sidelined and then the husbands get shut down. And yeah, it doesn't yeah, help. It's not healthy. No. Yeah. And now all of us have kids that are older. Okay. So well, you have the youngest ones. Here. I, yeah. So my, my youngest is nine though. Mm-hmm. So I don't, they aren't in that no, little baby. stage. Like Jeff yeah. in his sermon talked about. You know, little Ethan coming and pushing them apart. You know, yeah. you can picture this two or three-year-old doing this, right? Yeah. But, um, and my brother had this saying, I remember when we first got married, um, or when we first started having kids, and I think we had a one, maybe two, and he was like, yep, little kids equals little sex. <laughs> and I, I laughed, and as the years went on, you know, I mean, obviously we had four kids, so things went okay, right? <laughs> but I find... Um, sometimes the intimacy, the time, the possibility of it actually, um, and being able to find times for that in the house is actually harder now when they're older because they're staying up later than you. Yeah. They stay (laughs) up later. They, they, they sleep lighter. They, they, they more freely come and well, and if they do come knock on the door, you know, they have suspicions of what's happening rather than your little kids. They don't have any clue. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I find, um, yeah, as they get older, sometimes that makes it a little harder. So you have to really find times and places. So maybe, I mean, if you don't have the money to get away for a weekend, have, find somebody to, to take the kids for the night or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just find times when you can actually be together. And uh, I also yeah. encourage people not to make appointments for sex. Because you, if you wait till it's spontaneous, that's not going to happen because you're tired and you've got all kinds of things pulling you in different directions. So sometimes you s- simply need to put it in your schedule. Hmm. Uh, schedule like secretly, not... <laughs> <laughs> not on the family calendar? <laughs> not on the family calendar. Yeah, no. Okay, the last one that Jeff talked about, and then we'll add some others, the fox of bitterness. Yeah. How do you see that? I know you've had some meetings with people, Thalia, where yeah. you've really seen that... Well, we tend to store up little things and then yep. they add up and we keep that record of wrongs. And we don't want to forgive because it's that person's fault and we blame them and justify it. And it's like, I'm in the right, they're in the wrong and it can creep up and then just gets bad. 
Do you have any specific scripture passages that you lead people through when they're working through that one? I usually work through Colossians 3 again, 1 yep. to 17, and it talks about how we have to put off old behavior. It doesn't say bitterness, but it talks about anger and wrath and malice and slander. If you look at Ephesians 4, it talks about bitterness, yeah. and but same, very similar. But then it talks about how we have to put on compassionate hearts, kindness. We have to bear with one another. We have to forgive one another. It's a perfect antidote. So it doesn't matter what's going on in your marriage. This is you need to put on the certain behavior in Colossians three, and you have to put off certain things. And that's for me, it's every day. Yeah. It's like ah, oh, again, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's learning too how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Yeah. If you haven't grown up learning how to do that, because mm-hmm. some people will. Um, they're scared to interact with conflict, so they'll stuff it all, and then yeah. it'll just blow up sometime, yeah. right? Or they'll hold it, harbor it as bitterness, yeah. even though outwardly they look like they're okay. And so I think part of it is even learning good conflict resolution yeah. skills so that things don't store up within yeah. you, that you talk about them as they come up and learn how to do that well. And if that's not going well, come talk to us in the care department. Vic, mm-hmm. Paul, myself, we can get you linked with us also with maybe a Christian counselor. We have articles, blogs, books. Like if these are some of the issues you're working with, let's sort them out together you're welcome yeah so uh one one uh video that i know jeff myself and ezra all watched this week in prepping for this sermon was uh and i think i sent it to you and vic too Thalia. Um, you have to remind me uh, i keep getting links every day a pastor (laughs) uh a big black guy from the South. Um, his name's Vadi Bakum. Oh, yeah. V-O-D-D-I-E. Yeah. B-A-U-C-H-A-M. Anyway, and it, if you go on YouTube and you look up Vadi Bakum love or Vadi Bakum marriage or whatever, and uh, you can find there's a couple that are shorter clips and then there's other ones that are like his entire, he did a marriage conference one weekend and it's like three hours long. You can sit there and, and watch all the sessions, but he's fantastic. And when he talks about marriage and what true love is, and um, so you'll if you uh, if you go and listen to him, you'll you'll see similarities of things that we said in our sermon because there were things that we were just like, man, that's just too good to pass up. We got to use that. So anyway, that's a good resource that you can go and look at, and you know, instead of having to plan to go to some marriage conference, you could sit down and watch this, and mm-hmm. and you and your wife could talk about it or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as Jeff mentioned in his sermon, he picked three foxes, but he said there's a billion that you could pick from. Yeah. What were the things in your mind that you're thinking that could be extra foxes that you'd have to... When he got up to speak, I was in my head thinking, okay, which are the foxes he's going to pick? Because they weren't the same foxes as I was thinking. Yeah. So one of the things I think we need to mention and just talk about quickly is pornography and erotic literature, things like, and the movies like Fifty Shades of Grey or Fifty Shades Darker, which has now come up. Pornography is a huge fox for men and for women. Uh, Same-sex pornography, opposite-sex pornography, like it, it just really gets in there like mold and rot and wrecks marriages. And Paul and I are always working with people who are struggling in this area. And we have lots of resources for support. So if this is something that's hurting your marriage, please come and talk to us. Or if you're single and this is in your mm-hmm. uh, life, let's get help now before you're married because it really hurts your marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's people that have been in it for literally decades mm-hmm. as a secret. And then uh, in that, because uh, when they've let that fox get in and destroy things, um, the fox has been sneaky. Like yeah. Jeff said, they get they can be really sneaky. So uh, the fox of pornography gets in there and is sneaky and can be doing damage for a long time. Yeah. 
and it actually leads to other things such as lying and deceit and yeah. and uh, living a double life almost. Yep. And then when it finally comes out, because if you're a Christian, uh, it's going to come out yeah. eventually. You're not going to be able to live with yourself keeping this kind of secret for that long without it cause. And, and then when it does come out, the longer you wait, the more hurt it causes. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, it really squashes your spiritual growth. Yeah. You can yeah. still grow, but often at a much slower rate, if at all. Because we see people who are, I know, are stuck in pornography. They'll come to church at the last minute. They'll leave early. They don't want to get involved in things. They can't grow to the place that God would love them to grow to. Yeah. Because so, they're just stifled by that. They're, yeah. they're not willing to repent and to believe in the yeah. gospel and to work, move forward. Yeah, and move yeah. forward in leadership positions, teaching kids ministry and on worship teams. Because they have this elder. guilt and shame as yeah, part of their makeup. Yeah, guilt and shame and guilt yeah. that's squashing them. And they, you know, but let's free ourselves from this. and Let's get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the foxes aren't, I mean, that's a really big negative one. Yeah. They're yeah. not always negative, though. No. Like you talked about dis- distraction ones, discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the distraction pieces? Well, I, yeah, I included children in the distraction yeah. one, uh, but they could also be things like your job, yeah, right? Yeah. If if um, if you're super motivated at your work to attain that next level of a promotion, or um, I mean, whatever you want to get a raise, whatever, and you're 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 working like crazy and you're putting in twelve hour days, you know, regularly, uh, you're missing out on time with your wife. Or yeah. your or your husband, yeah. what, whichever party is doing this, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I think we get lost in trying to impress our boss and show our boss that we're reliable, and we forget that we need to impress our spouse and show our spouse that we're reliable. <laughs> yeah, and it's not that we want people to lack motivation and lack vision and lack dreams and these kinds of things like no. pushing ahead, but we need to be careful: is that wrecking? our primary relationships. Is it wrecking our relationship with God? Is it wrecking our relationship with our spouse? Yeah. It's the same with, for women, it's often things like Facebook, Instagram, fitness, shopping, Mm -hmm. these kinds of things. All of a sudden you can sit down and like an hour is gone and people are on Facebook or something like that. And instead they're not investing in their primary relationships. Yeah. These things aren't wrong. It's not wrong yeah. to be on Facebook or Instagram. It's just how much time and to same what with, extent. Like fitness, it's not wrong to be in no. shape. But mm-hmm. if, it, right. it's, if it's taking you away from your family and your husband yeah. all yeah. the time, then it might have a wrong priority in your life. Yeah. So I would encourage people to drive around, walk around and say, Lord, what are the foxes that are hurting me, my relationship with you, God, and also with my uh, house, husband or wife? Yeah. So that's what I was doing today. I'm like, what are those? Maybe I'm blind to something. Some things that are maybe look good, but are actually hurting. And the coffee one was one that came up. Oh, okay, need to go for coffee. Yeah. And for yeah. me, even doing, because I'm working full time and doing my master's degree and have kids. Oh, yeah. And so every once in a while I have to check myself, like this semester, I didn't take a course because yeah. I just felt like last semester it was just, I was a little too distracted with family and we have a wedding coming up and all these things. And so I thought, well, I'm going to step back this yeah. semester. So we need to be aware of that. Like how... How much are we leaving of ourselves for the people who are important in our lives? Because yeah. I'll get my master's degree at some point, right? Yes. It doesn't have to be next year. Right. But if I sacrifice my marriage to get it done, then my, the rest of my life is changed and right. different. And so mm-hmm. how do we keep those things in balance? Yeah. Some women, too, that I work with spend sort of too much time with their girlfriends. Hmm. And so their husbands will say, but I don't like it when you spend time with your girlfriend so much or this particular girlfriend because they take your time and attention away from our family, but they're also not a good influence on you. I think Hmm. we need to listen to that. What are the people around us pointing out? And are we pushing them away or are we taking in what they're saying and going, oh, maybe you're seeing something I'm not seeing? Yeah. Your priorities are maybe in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
How about parents, parents-in-law? <laughs> we have a lot of meetings about parents and parents-in-law because we need to honor our parents. There's absolutely a command in the Bible. We, can, we don't want to get away from that, but sometimes we can spend far too much energy on parents and parents-in-law. Again, higher priority than our marriages. So if your mom is texting you constantly all day and asking you to come over, maybe you need to think about are you, do you need to jump up every time they text you or phone you or call you to come over or do you need to consult with your husband or wife? Yeah. Things like that. I know one of my mom and dad's friends growing up, um, the, the couple of friends that were good friends of my mom and dad's, it was really difficult for the wife in that family because her husband would go home every Sunday morning to have breakfast with his mom. Oh. And so she felt every Sunday he was absent from the family and he was with his mom. And he thought it was just honoring his mom, but she was like, sooner or later, like, <laughs> you got to stay home and be with us. Right. Right. But it causes tension because he wanted to be with his mom and she wanted him to be with the family. And how do you work that out? Yeah. You got to work that out. And sometimes you have to say, I'm so sorry, mom and dad, I can't do that this time. Yeah. Yeah. For, I know that, um, and I, always, I said this in the last two pre-marriage classes, and Thalia is always like, don't tell the parents I said that we said that. <laughs> um, <but laughs> basically, here it is. So if you're a parent, I've said this to your kid <laughs> in my pre-marriage class. When Carla and I got not married, we stayed in Abbotsford for a while, and all our parents are here. And we found ourselves relying on them for a lot, just in terms of... Um, I mean, anything from uh, like the weekly dinner at each of their houses um, to, you know, when you get first, when you first get married, we were young, like I was 21, she was 20. It's easy to run home and, and talk about Stuff. anything, yeah. a fight or whatever, right? But then I got a job up in Whistler. And so all of a sudden we had to move two and a half hours away. And the first few months were very hard. And I remember Carla being very upset about living so far away and not having friends and like we had a new baby and I was busy working at, at the hotel and getting friends there but she's in the basement suite right up in Whistler with a baby right and there's no nobody around but anyway when we worked through that uh, and even our um, even our spiritual lives became much stronger um, living far further away because we had to rely on Anisha. the Lord. We had to rely on people in the community around us. And we had to rely m a lot more on each other rather than on external uh, family and stuff. So we grew our marriage, our, our love for each other grew, our, uh, we learned how to work through difficult things together. And our, our relationship, each of us, our relationships with the Lord grew exponentially when we lived away. Yeah. And so... Um, so you're telling if, everybody to move away. I, I can hear the parents panicking. So <laughs> if, the married yeah, kids. no, listen, you you will be you will be able to see if your kids are believers, you'll be able to see your kids for eternity. You don't need to see them for a, a, every week of the next eighty years. You'll so see them forever. Back. So I'll push back and say to the parents of married kids, I would say, again. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> if. You set good boundaries, healthy boundaries while they're here in town. You will have a better relationship with them going forward and you won't necessarily push them out. It's not wrong for kids, married right. kids to move away, right. but you don't want to push them out because then all of a sudden they're three provinces them. or a different country away and you won't see them hardly at all. Yes. So I would say try as parents of married kids to set good boundaries. Don't demand that they come over every Tuesday night and every Sunday morning yeah. and sit with you in the pew at church and la la la. Like give them some room to grow as a couple. For sure. 
Yeah, that's what I we won't talk about. <laughs> no, I agree totally. Sounds like this for the pre-marriage class is very entertaining. Yeah, so we have fun. We should come yeah. to Swatch, sit in the back there. <laughs> <laughs> you should see them. Yeah. They all look at us like we've got two heads, like ten heads, each of us. Yeah, because they're like, "What are they saying?" <laughs> That's, That's good. good. Yeah. Uh, quickly, before we close, I want, clearly I'm going to ask you in prayer for, to close in prayer mm-hmm. for a second. But one guy pushed back at this a while ago in summertime, we were talking about this. One of the young adults said to us, why do you guys always talk about marriage being so hard? Like that oh, doesn't yeah, encourage yeah. any of us as young adults to get married. Why don't you guys celebrate the good things? So right. why do we talk about, why did Jeff say over and over again in the sermon, marriage is hard? All relationships are hard. You think of relationships with your friends and your siblings and your parents. It's hard at times. It's no different in marriage. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you think of growing up at home with your with your siblings and your parents. I mean, was it always rosy? No. I mean, you had fights with your siblings and stuff. That yeah. doesn't mean you hate them the rest of your life or no. anything. That means that, you know, I mean, uh, we're hope, we see our kids fight and argue and stuff. And yet we also see them upset if one of if only one of them is gone for the night the other yeah. one comes as oh I miss Isabel why isn't she here tonight yeah. right like he's so yeah all like Thalia said all relationships are difficult yeah. and so just go into marriage with a with yes I mean you you love your mate your mm-hmm. your spouse you have strong desires to be with them in every way which is awesome. Hint, 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 <laughs> But which is great. And that should be the way it is. And that should remain that way. And so you catch those foxes so they don't destroy your romance after you get married and yeah. stuff. But that also, also go in realizing that you will have to be exercising your fruit of the spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mm-hmm. faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. And I think part of us saying that is just to encourage people to persevere, right? Anytime you know that there's going to be obstacles in your path, don't expect it to be easy. You're encouraging that perseverance because they're not expecting something that they're not getting. It's true. And it's rewarding at the end. Like we want to say marriage is hard, but I think every time we've had a significant milestone where we've looked back, we see there's lots of places in our marriage where we wish things had been different or things were hard or difficult, but there's a reward to looking back and saying, oh, we made it through that. Yeah. It's really worth it. You know, it's, it's worth the hard work. Anything's Mm -hmm. worth the hard work in the end. Absolutely. So don't think it's just like drudgery. And when you get, when you die, you're going to hate that you were married and you wish you'd never happened because that's not the case. Nope. But in the middle of it, it might be tricky sometimes and yeah. require a lot from us. Totally true. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Do you want to pray for us? Taylor? Yes. <clears throat> Lord, first of all, we're thankful for your word. Thank you that you teach us through it. We're also thank you, thankful for our preaching pastors who teach us your word because sometimes it's a little bit hard and confusing. Lord, we're thankful that we can learn from you. And so, Lord, today, as we consider this topic, I pray that you would bring to mind the foxes in our relationship with you and the foxes in our marriages and our relationships that are causing problems. And Lord, would you give us a willing heart to change those, to you ask you for help by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to uh, confess our sins, to repent of them, and to go forward with you. Thank you for all these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. What the fuck?